one way to notice the momentum of the retreat is how responsive the mind can be as we invite it to relate, to settle with a good attitude about how it is. In a conventional sense, we might say something like being comfortable in our own skin. In a Dharma sense, being comfortable with the way it is now, the way the body and mind are, the qualities of the mind, the mood. So settling means there's an understanding that's willing to include the way that it is now. That this body-mind experience makes sense, not in an intellectual way, but in this deeper sense of it belongs. And this settling isn't really different from love or compassion. So whether we call it compassion or wisdom, feeling at home, and then more specifically now at the beginning of the set, infusing the experience of the body with this good attitude, this understanding that everything belongs. So we're intentionally receiving, noticing all the different sensations in the body, the full range from subtle to gross, pleasant to unpleasant. Not demanding that the body be perfect or be any particular way. Noticing a sense of nobility as we sit here right in the middle of the way it is. Confident, not needing to control or fix. Confident in the nature of the body and mind to unfold. And the practice intention now with some momentum is simply to be awake or to be aware of the movement of mind and body, to be aware and to realize in moments some real ease 
allowing the body and the mind to unfold. And of course, if at any time the mind constructs, gets involved in, gets attached to a drama, a worry, planning, comparing, then understanding this dynamic also as a natural unfolding Understanding it in terms of its changing, unsatisfying, and impersonal nature. It is the nature of these mental dramas to arise, to last for a while, especially when the attachment is strong, but to eventually fall apart And in particular today, whenever the mind gets caught in some story, see if you can bring to mind this Dharma information that this story, this mental activity is a construction And it's a very particular kind of construction that has the appearance of being personal, of being personally meaningful and important. Which of course causes the attachment, the identification, the squeeze on the heart. So if you see it as a construction, then wisdom can begin to deconstruct the mental content, the perception, the feeling tone associated with it, how it is in the body, just the coming together of these different elements of experience, giving it particular appearance, seductive, leading to attachment. And then as the mind understands more deeply, a natural letting go of the attachment and the falling apart of the drama. From being a personal problem to not being a problem at all. So see if you can notice the whole cycle from the beginning moments when the mind becomes interested and begins to proliferate to the full-blown squeeze on the heart, obsessive mind, through the deconstruction and the falling apart and the heart, body, mind, coming back to a sense of ease. So we'll continue now in silence.
we have some time for questions this morning. Yes. And there'd be some debates about that, probably. Think about consciousness is to, uh, at least conceptually in our mind, keep it distinct from the mental formations and the activity of perception and the feeling tone that might be present with any moment of sense contact or sense experience. So the Buddha, with that term, consciousness, is pointing to the Uh, part of the mind or the activity of mind that knows and just on that simple level and it's uh, and for us practitioners it can be confusing because probably more than other aspects of our experience consciousness appears to have a continuity it's like the consciousness that's knowing this moment seems like it's the consciousness that knows the previous moments But we want to keep in, even though we may not see it directly, we want to have an open mind about consciousness. And the Buddha teaches and has made this point very strongly in the suttas that consciousness arises with the object. So without a condition to be known, there's no knowing. And sometimes in Buddhist circles, there's a sense of um, awareness as a sort of a refuge in itself. And it's really true initially in practice to rest back in awareness, to trust that mind that knows can really help the mind let go of a lot of attachment or a lot of other activity that's disruptive or squeezing the heart. But we want to not... Uh, take personally, even the activity of consciousness. So I think a lot of times in practice, we use awareness uh, or mindful awareness. We use that term to really talk about the practice and the momentum of practice. And probably what we mean are more than a few different wholesome qualities coming together. Like when we're talking about, you know, trusting awareness or practicing mindful awareness, We're really talking about a a spectrum of qualities that are being cultivated, developed, that get some momentum, that stabilize the mind, all in the support of the mind seeing things more clearly. And what the Buddha is saying that we're going to see more clearly is how everything is changing, contingent. Everything is fundamentally limited or unsatisfactory because from the self or ego point of view, we want safety, we want permanence, but we don't find it as we look more deeply into experience. And that movement of mind and body is impersonal. It's just happening on its own. That's what's actually seen. And so we have that momentum of practice. We see the three characteristics and notice the letting go. The heart that clings, clings less and less because of what it's, how it's understanding. So I know that's not a specific answer, but I think I'll leave it there so I don't confuse myself and others. (laughs) Yeah, in the back.
Yeah. But what the mind can do instead of making something happen is, like that, that part of the mind, uh, instead of waiting to see something bad and then work with it, you can notice that that mind that wants to do, you can let it do some good things. Like you can have it, uh, you can check the attitude. And quite naturally, the practice, this momentum of good qualities, wholesome qualities in support of seeing things clearly, naturally it will bring in a sense of relaxation or bring in a sense of acceptance, of caring. So um, a question like, uh, you know, what qualities of mind, what wholesome qualities of mind are available or maybe in the vicinity, but maybe not so strong, that could be noticed now. What wholesome qualities of mind can be noticed here and now as a way of strengthening them? So you're not making things up. You're not trying to make things happen. You're just noticing, you're asking questions that helps the mind notice more clearly what's, what's at play in the moment. And uh, sometimes we immediately, or we only have one move in practice, which is to see something that doesn't look good and then to work with it with whatever skill the mind has in that moment. But we can also specifically train the mind to notice the supporting, the beautiful, wholesome, supporting qualities of mind, supporting this awakening process. So learn some of those lists and then consciously reflect on them so it's easier for the mind to recognize them like the seven factors of awakening or the four divine abodes or the, you know, some of the paramis that you can just get to know the vocabulary, the actual vocabulary of the mind, not just the word, but like what that, what they do in the mind, how they, how they shape attitude and shape the quality of the mind. Yes. So I I notice a lot while I'm in a thought, mindfulness comes up. I can see it leave often. But the moment of getting stuck in a thought is where in the be- well from the beginning of a thought to the moment of getting stuck is very hard. It's like so elusive. So I've been, my mind has become interested in that part of it. Um, and I wondered, like, so what that moment when the mind gets stuck, is that because there's always a defilement present, even if you can't necessarily see it or sense it, is that what's happening in that moment? Yeah, so she's asking about the moments leading up to the mind getting caught in a thought and asking if there's a defilement there. Well, probably. And, but maybe a more useful question is, uh, in that time leading up to the mind getting caught, what is it that the mind's not seeing? Because right? it's not a matter of, it's always a matter of the mind not seeing something or mindfulness not recognizing something. And so, for example, often when the mind's you know, it seems like we're practicing, we seem aware of what's going on, that like the mind's thinking, but then there's that tipping point and the mind's in an obsessive pattern and there's no awareness now at this point that the mind is thinking. So one of the missing, uh, one of the aspects of experience that's missing at that point is when something arises that grabs or gets the attention of the mind, you know, that, that process of engagement, it's juicy. There's something there on the surface, at least, that's juicy. But we don't normally look at that. But it's conditioning the mind, the pleasantness of thinking, the pleasantness of figuring something out, so we have, to, we have to notice that because not seeing that makes the mind miss really what's, miss the whole cause and effect dynamic. 
Because if we can see that thoughts about going home are juicy, and then we can go from the thought of going home to the actual experience of juiciness, the, the energy, pleasantness even. doesn't mean it's all pleasant, but there's, there's an energy like feeling alive, even though there may be anxiety there, but we feel alive. So that part of it is pleasant. And then, but if we can just tune into the pleasantness, feeling alive with it, then we might not need to feed the obsessive thinking. We can, in a sense, make peace with that energy, energetic experience in the body and mind. Be mindfully aware of that. So you can ask, you know, one of the questions that can be asked is, what is happening here that the mind hasn't seen yet, isn't seen clearly yet? What else is here? What else is affecting or part of this mind at this moment? Anything the mind not clearly seen? No, right there, moment by moment, yeah. So it's okay for a question to come into the mind. And those, she asked, do you do that in the sitting or after? Uh, but, you know, even um, initially we might need to have the thought, maybe I should ask a question. So it, it, it can be a little bit more awkward. But eventually, if there's some interest and curiosity, the mind is interested and curious. And so those questions, whether they're fully, fully formed thought, verbal thought, or just an inclination of the mind to wonder, to look, you know, to like lift something up and look, or to be a little bit more still or disengaged, in a sense, energetic sense, to stand back in its interest. Is there anything else happening here? But initially, asking a question can be quite useful. How else, how do we know? You could ask this question How do I know the mind is interested, really interested in this as a natural phenomenon? Right? Because interest is an actual quality of the mind. So how do I know it's interested? Well, one way we know is the mind has questions. It wants to answer about the experience. But again, it's not, we're not talking about figuring it out cognitively. But coming using language, whatever language we use, to come more fully, to see more clearly. Yeah, Laurel, and this will be the last. On a kind of related angle, what about boredom? Um, I, I can see myself doing things like to compensate for boredom, but I can't quite investigate the boredom because there's no juice there. Yeah, but there's uh, a contraction there, right? So there's dukkha, and that's interesting for the mind. So if we can... See, that the perception of boredom, which involves a somebody who's bored, right? Because it immediately when there's that feeling of flatness or dullness or whatever the components of the, what we're calling boredom, as soon as the mind sees that, it, the mind remembers it. That's that perception process. It remembers like, oh, I know this. So we stop paying attention to the moment and now we're paying attention to our memory of what it means when I'm bored. And there's a very strong conviction that's held tightly by the mind that nothing's happening. And then so we stop looking. We've sort of pulled back, identified with the concept of being the person who's bored and there's no engagement. So to break that, one of the interesting things about boredom or any of these flat uh, sort of desolate, nothing's happening states that we can come to and practice, certainly on retreat, is um, asking the mind a question, for example, like, is there dukkha present? Is there any unpleasantness present in the body, mind, in the heart? And then if so, open to that. Be mindfully aware of that. And then see if that changes, like if some natural interest arises. Because... The interesting thing about dukkha is what's supporting it and what supports the cessation of it. Because the heart is naturally interested in that, those questions, like how is this dukkha coming to be and what are the causes that can be abandoned, its causes that can be abandoned so it goes away. And to experiment 
on that level. So, a few um, adjustments to the schedule the morning as usual. And actually, the great part of the day, all the way through breakfast tomorrow, and the work period tomorrow morning, just like another day of retreat practice, so to keep that in mind. And then this afternoon, a few changes. So at 2 o'clock, Deborah will lead a sit and then say a few words about the Buddhist teachings on taking the practice home and her own reflections. And then we'll have a break. And then at 4 o'clock, Steve will talk about Donna. And then there will be Daphne and Sage will give some closing retreat information. And there will be ride coordination at the very end of that 4 o'clock meeting. That will end right at uh, dinner time at 5. I think that's it. Have a good day of practice, everyone. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.